0: Hello, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. This is episode number 181. Today, we're going to talk about courageous communication, and that is a very important topic because frankly, you need courage. Everybody needs courage today. It's a crazy world out there. You can be fearful of, you know, offending somebody. But we're going to get through topics like finding your blind spot and finding you know, that opportunity for you to say the thing that's going to get you that visibility that's going to get you promoted with Michelle. She's a very interesting young communications professional, and I'm excited to introduce you to her. So, Michelle, welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast, nationally and internationally ranked among that great category of communication skills podcast. And tell us, how did you get into this racket of being a communication coach?
1: (laughs) That's so funny that you call it a racket because this is what you do also. (laughs) Right. And, And you know that we work our butts off to try to help people live better lives by taking a look at how they send and receive messages. Correct. How I got into it, you know, I think I just went more towards psychology and interpersonal relations and writing as a student. I loved that more than anything else, loved science. So when I got to Purdue as a very young person, I was 17 and investigating what I could declare as a major. I was stuck between psych and business and a wonderful guidance counselor. It was luck of the draw, probably said, have you heard of organizational psychology? And I said, kind of, what tell me more about that? And I knew right away. That's my kind of psychology. Let's look at human behavior at work. Although this book, Communicate with Courage, been about a 25-year career in organizational development. With this book, I tried to make it equally applicable to our personal lives as well. Because I mean, I know that when I've gone into work heartsick about an argument with a significant other or family member it pulls you down at work. And if you have a conflict at work, it pulls you down at home. So I tried to make it equally useful.
0: Oh, well, that was so good. I really love your approach. Yes. Michelle's written communicate with courage. I think I mentioned that in the introduction and it's a very easy read and is super well organized. I I was really pleased because I find most communication books boring then, of course, I wrote one myself, and then I thought, gosh, I put too much into it. I did, I mean, too many, too much. It was TMI. You know how we give TMI in presentations? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the- I don't
1: know about that. People can look back on it. The kind of books that we write, folks could probably dip into any chapter if they have right. five or 10 minutes, and then wait a week and look back it. So you, Egg- you did, you did exactly. what you were meant to do, and you know there's a lot of analytical thinkers that want more data.
0: That's true. That's right. Thank you, Michelle. And I'm sure the audience is thinking, this is such a good conversation. How is it free? Uh, You you guys are all spoiled rotten because I bring you very cool people. Where are you located, by the way, Michelle? I'm up here in Fort Wayne, Indiana,
1: and that's Northeast Indiana. We're about 300,000 people on the confluence of three rivers. We're very much engaged in revitalizing our downtown and working on retaining talent rather than seeing them move to the coast. And then I have a team of nine other individuals who are around the Midwest, Indianapolis, Louisville, et cetera. Born and raised here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Travel a lot for work, but always I like to come back to the cornfields and the lakes and the, I like that space.
0: Yeah, I think it's very grounding. And I think when people have life experience with reality, not just the techie coding cloud world, if you have some kind of connection with gardening or I don't know. See, even knowing what a cornfield looks like, I think that's incredibly grounding. <laughs> so yeah. Sure. So tell me, what are what are some of the recent problems that you've helped people solve in companies? That would be interesting.
1: Great. Lots of companies okay. call us because they're promoting folks either from blue-collar hourly to team lead or team lead to supervisor or supervisor to mid-management or mid management to executive or executive to CEO mm-hmm. or chair, yes, chairperson that of transition. the board.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just try to meet people where they are when they want to develop leadership skills, including the full range of delegating and managing conflict and using praise correctly, et cetera. We do more strategic planning than ever these days, which I'm okay with as long as people are leaving with actionable steps that they're going to take. It's not just a few half days of dreaming about the future, but actually tactics. Mm-hmm. I'm down for that. So we teach a lot of leadership communication skills topics as far ranging as business writing to presentation skills to performance reviews. I was an HR human resources director for a long time in some very male-dominated industries like robotics, construction, warehousing, properties, and that definitely underscored my love of that organizational development, human behavior at work. So when I went into consulting full-time 2004, wow, wow. So nine, almost 20 years ago, I knew that that's what I wanted to offer. I really just hoped people would call Laura. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. how yeah, that yeah. goes. I do. When, and, if they I... Don't, and if they don't, <laughs> then I guess
1: I would go work for fact, somebody, you know, as VP of HR or something if I was that's going yeah. to spend. I'll tell you what, 20 years has flown by.
0: Yes. Well, the thing is, there's always communication issues. It's is a matter of, do you inspire the trust to be actually you know, for people to tell you what you need to know in order to fix the, help them uh, fix the issue. But let's go, I want to talk about your approach because, okay, audience, listen to this. Michelle is all about, she talks about risk a lot. I know that there are people listening to this whose job is risk management. And I know that, that some of you are always looking for that perfect template so that you will be able to give that presentation and everybody will love you. And it's like, if you just have that communication roadmap, you'll not have any risk, but that does not exist. There are risks in life and there are risk in communication. So Michelle, tell us your point of view about managing risk. Why do we have to risk things in order to be, or risk our reputation, or risk being light, risk being thought of as smart? Why do we have to risk things? I work a lot with introverts and they're like, when I have the perfect sentence, I'll say it.
1: Yes. And then all the people who don't have the perfect sentences are talking, aren't they? And then you end up following them. Yes. So I would say risk is important because it leads us to engage in a new mindset, a new way of thinking or a new behavior. We don't have a guarantee of what the result will be, but if we don't take some calculated risks, I'm not saying go crazy. I'm saying take calculated risks. And the book shows you how to do that. Then we will never get to where we could be with our potential or our community's potential or our organization or team's potential or our significant other, our romantic relationship or parenting relationship. If we don't take some risks, why are we here? It is such a short stay on this planet. And no one has our experience. No one has our experience or perspective. And it's unique. It's unique and it's special. And it's important to sometimes get behind a mission or a value or a hope for the future and lend your voice or your written word to it, lend your name to it. I took a few hours this morning. I went to my local public radio station. I'm a volunteer there. I serve on the board and they often ask folks to come in and help pitch during fund drive. And I was thinking to myself, this is kind of nerve wracking because you'll have the national news will be on, and then the host will point at you and be like, you have four minutes, go, or you have 10 minutes, go. And I look at that microphone and think, I love words and I love to communicate, but this feels a little risky. What if I trip up all over myself? Say the wrong thing. Well, I think it's worth it because I've already decided this is one of my values. I stand behind, for example, local public radio. So I'll give it a shot. Somebody has to get on there and ask for pledges. So here I go. And what I'd like to guide people to do through the book is take intelligent risk because as we get better at communication, life becomes much less complicated and more joyful, as you know, to your core.
0: Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I think that the risk mitigation comes from getting clear on your purpose. Because as you said, nobody has your experience. We all have our mission. We all have our work to do. What you have to do is what you have to do. No, people can't do that for you. And I think getting clear on your purpose, like you were in your example with the radio is perfect. And people aren't looking for a perfect communicator that doesn't even exist. But just think, imagine that you were single and you go out with a date with this guy. He's like perfect. He loves his mom. He has a great job, but he has no personality. I mean, blah. Nobody wants to go.
1: Perfect, we get old quickly. There is no such thing. And that is one of the chapter titles. We do have. I'm flipping for it. We talk about rationalizing the negative, defining to be right, hiding from risk. But the first chapter is strength and vulnerability, saying nobody is perfect and meaning it. What I do and what I see my colleagues and friends do is say, well, don't worry, Michelle. Nobody's perfect. When I talk about a mistake I've made, but when they make a mistake. And sometimes you can flip this back to yourself. It seems like we want perfection from ourselves, even though we know the right thing to say is we're only human. Nobody's perfect. So there will be some failure. There will be some loss. I love Tom Petty. I love rock and roll. And Tom Petty has a great song called Only a Broken Heart. And in some of your riskiest communications, the worst that can happen is you might get your heart broken, but at least you stood for or loved or asked for forgiveness, or shared the I love you, or spoke the hard conflict, or tried to be inclusive, there's a great amount of opportunity in the couple thousand decisions that we make per day to communicate just a smidge more bravely. And sometimes that can result directly in improved work environment, improved family environment, and that's worth it.
0: Absolutely. Almost brought tears to my eyes. It's so true. You know, there isn't a guarantee. But what's discouraging to me sometimes is that people are being afraid to advocate for themselves, afraid to ask for their raise, afraid to defend their record for their performance review. And I think that the problem that this audience, that you're the people that you're talking to are super duper smart, highly analytical, highly conscientious, all got good grades. I mean, they got word the nerds of the world. And the thing is that school teaches you to turn in your assignment and you get an A because you're conscientious and you listen to what the teacher said and you gave her what she wanted. And that is not enough at work. And you have to sell the value of what you're doing, right? So I want to give you another yeah. scenario, making you work good, good. For, your, for your podcast conversation. Let's say, because I, you know, the COVID lockdown has had a lot of impact that I think has not been unpacked yet. And we're not going to unpack it here either. However, I'm seeing people just getting back into the office a little bit more anxiety. And some people are feeling not as sharp as they used to be, or they feel like they bombed a presentation just because they got out of practice of the everyday interactions with people you know, people tend to be hard graders on themselves, like you yeah. just said, but somebody who feels like, you know, that presentation or I, I didn't do, give it my best or uh, speaking up in that meeting, I could have done it better if I had been better prepared. What do you say to that person?
1: Well, you know, if they've identified a weakness there and they did not give it their best effort, then they've learned something for next time, more preparation, it's yes. important. audience analysis is important, and I talk through how to succeed as a public speaker in this book with some tried and true techniques that have really helped me. But we have to move forward even when we don't have the presentation we hoped we would have, or we misspeak in a meeting or we flop a little bit. The way I move forward from those less-than-ideal presentations is to remind myself that I am no less than anyone that I'm speaking to, whether that is by video, audio or in person, or sending an email, I am no less a valuable human than they. Also, they are no less valuable than me. So if we're looking at ourselves as unique individuals with special view on the world or on the topic that we're speaking about to contribute, then we can go in and provide something that that individual cannot have, not completely, because it's from our perspective, our point of view, we prepared well, hopefully we've analyzed the audience, and then let's look at ourselves as equally valuable humans. And that takes a lot of my nerves away. I get a little more nervous if it's someone that I know very well in the audience or in mm-hmm. the meeting. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. learned to overcome that by reminding myself I don't have to switch into public speaking, Michelle, and be a different <laughs> person. I'll probably do better if I show up as myself and I'm on my top game, my A game, and I have rehearsed and I have done my homework and I know a little bit about that audience that's in front of me and can engage them. Through all the, the ways that we talk about engaging audiences and getting questions or what to do if you don't, and right, right, right. contact. And there's a lot going into it. It's like any other sport or anything else you can get very good at. It takes a lot of time, but each time you present, you're going to get better. And for those who are flailing a little bit or feeling a little anxious, please see that as the gift that it is, because you will have many folks in your life, you'll have an opportunity to mentor. To, mm-hmm. to share with as a friend, to coach as a an aunt or an uncle or a parent or a grandparent talking to a kid you love or a young person, a friend. And each time that we go through something that's hard and it knocks us down a bit, we get back up, that makes for wonderful teaching stories later. Who wants to learn anything from someone who hasn't fallen? Yes. Fact, you know, grab a journal, pick a place in your in Word or in a spreadsheet, maybe start recording what was the date of the presentation. And how did it go? And what would you have done differently looking back with your 2020 hindsight and what can be learned from this? And you know, you, our listener today, might end up with a good article or a book.
0: Oh, that's a great point. And I think because of my work is with these highly conscientious people who normally over prepare, but is they didn't prepare because their husband got a bad diagnosis and they oh, happened yeah. to be remodeling the bathroom and then they had an electrical storm and then all these things also there's you know a lot of outside factors that you can't control but even if you don't have that you know crazy things can happen i recently launched a new website speakupwithlaura.com and in- introduced a new email and my old email that i've been using since 2009 Google just shut it down without telling me. And that has been, so I feel like I've let down and I don't even know all the people and I'm trying to get it fixed. I've hired two people. And it's that kind I'm of, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes, that is really stressful. it has been stressful. And it's also something out of my, and I feel like it's so off brand and, you know, people telling me, well, I was emailing you and it kept bouncing. Like, what kind of image does that do? And yeah, what can I do? I have to keep going. I have hired people and I keep reaching out. I mean, setbacks are going to come. Uh, there is no way around it. And some are more unpleasant than others. But anyway, you got to get back on the horse. But I, I think that's an important thing for high performers to realize that even though you are a highly conscious high performer, you are going to fall off the horse at one point or another because that's just the way it and is. And will it matter
1: in a year is a good question. And oh, I yeah. being a kid and being upset about something that would happen at school or have a splinter in my hand for playing outside. And my mom would say, Michelle, can you run? Yes, I can run. That has nothing to do with this. Terrible <laughs> that would- thing that it's cool, but it does. So we have our health. We, if we have our mobility, our loved ones are still around us. The loved ones that are still around us, we've all lost some loved ones, but we have some right. still with us. Look for right. what's stable and focus on that. And in a year, the setback won't seem as big.
0: That's a great point. And I want to go into another big point. that's gentially okay. related but I love your topic and you go into this a lot in the book about blind spots. <laughs> yes. So I want a story. I want you to lay it on us. Like, how can we find out our blind spots? I think they come up when somebody misinterprets what you said, or it always catches you by surprise, right? Because you think that you knew it all. Um, and, yeah. and you, or, were you or,
1: or okay, so a blind spot. Implies that there's a a a real weakness there, Mm -hmm. usually instead of a perceived weakness, but we're not aware of it. Right. So you know, in this book, I'm courageous enough to believe that people are going to be join me in being brave and want to look around to see where some of these blind spots might be. I picture like their peripheral vision, and they have a good idea of who they are. We have a good idea who we are, but then there are just a couple things that we would benefit from knowing about mm-hmm. ourselves as communicators that we don't know because no one has told us or because lots of people have tried to tell us. And we yes. find a way to distance ourselves from negative or constructive feedback because it hurts or it upsets us or it makes us angry. It's hard to look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So throughout the book, there are pro moves, pro tips and mm-hmm. exercises. And these exercises would allow readers to take on the assignment. Hey, I'm, I'm reading this book and there's a challenge in it The author is daring me to ask several people I know this. And the question is, hey, what's one thing that you like about how I communicate? And then one thing you sometimes think I could do differently or better in your opinion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I guide readers to say, no matter what they hear, to say, thank you. I'll think about that and stick to it like five words. Thanks. I'll think about that. Then zip the lip and retreat and really think about it. I had an employee, I do that through the years. I lead teams through it. I require one-on-one executive coaching clients to do it with my support, create a form they can hand out to make Mm -hmm. it a little bit less weird. Mm -hmm. But one of my employees, I had just taken her to lunch. I had given her a raise. I had told her how much I appreciate her. And then towards the end of that, I said, hey, I want to do this feedback challenge, as I call it. I'm practicing this, you know, and I want to see how it works out. Can you give me a piece of praise, a piece of constructive criticism, something I can use? What do you like? what don't you like about mm-hmm. my communication? She said nice things about what she liked. And then it, you could have knocked me over with a feather when she said something that I wish you would do differently. I wish you used more praise. And yeah. I know we haven't known each other a long time, Flora, but if there's one thing I think I'm really good at in communication and just one, I think I've worked on being a person who goes out of her way to give sincere praise since I was a little, little girl. So I thought, well, what do I do now? So I said, uh, thank you. I'll think about that. I tried to keep my face cool, chill, you know. Thank you. I'll think about that. And then I got on a plane and I went to Atlanta and I was teaching with the World Food Logistics Institute, a wonderful program. And I was blessed to be on faculty for about 15 years. Three years, you go down and each class that you work with, you get to know them for three years for about a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there teaching delegation. And I have a six-step recipe that I'm explaining to these warehouse managers, probably 180 to 300 of them. And I said, I got to mention, it's hard to trust people and delegate. But I have a young lady who came to my graduate school business class, and we were studying team building and how teams can have positive conflict. And she's a soccer coach. She was 24 years old, coaching kids. I invited her to come do a guest spot for like a half an hour in this three-hour MBA class. Mm-hmm. She knocked it out of the park. And so I'm going on and on about how delegation works if you pick the right task for the right person and you follow this recipe. And I'm really, sincerely complimenting her. And then I just froze and thought to myself, oh my gosh, here I thought she was wrong about her feedback to me. About uh-huh. me not I do brag about her, not to her face. So uh-huh. what I'm offering the audience is, Sometimes when you hear, well, you are like this, or you should do less of this, or I don't like it when you do this, there's going to be a kernel of truth there that if you can manage not to start thinking you're a bad person, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that seems to be the trick, you're a good person who is not a perfect communicator, right? Right. That helps you love yourself, and it's less stressful than to receive constructive feedback. So that's a little bit about blind spots, but that was one of mine because I was rocking and rolling through life just thinking like. I'm not good at everything in communication. I have a lot of work to do when it comes to conflict and listening. <laughs> As you can see.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. Okay, everybody, make sure that if you're driving, you should notice what point you are in this podcast because this is a diamond studded tool <laughs> that you can use with your team or with your family Or with your executive board, you know, let's have a discussion around what's one thing that I do well, what's one opportunity for improvement in communication. And And it is
1: in, to help you take stock of where you are as a communicator, it appears in chapter one. Okay. Vulnerability. And it's discussed between pages 14
0: and 16. Okay, guys, the book is called Communicate with Courage. So, but there's a free tip for you. And gosh, the time just goes by so fast. So Michelle, I want to ask you a couple more things about communication. And then we're going to go into our rapid fire, deep questions into your personal life. What's your favorite dessert? And (laughs) and It was a very important (laughs) question. And then we'll, we'll see like where we can get more Michelle. So Let's think about the director going for vice president, somebody who's a manager of managers, but is going to the executive suite. That is very common in the people that you're talking to at this very moment. And a lot of that has to do with thinking strategically and not tactically, thinking enterprise level or thinking bigger level. What is an exercise or something that these people can do to help them think more strategically and be seen? Because everybody has to be seen operating at the level they aspire to, right? That is
1: so true, isn't it? So we are going to want to summon courage when we have our friend fear. You'll get nervous about something. Part of you wants to try or raise your hand or ask to present that information or volunteer or ask for access to power or knowledge or training Etc. And you might think, well, I don't know. Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Is it the right time? That voice of fear comes in. That's when you think, oh, fear is here. So that must mean it's time to summon my courage. And courage is, of course, intangible, but vital. I think of it as in our very soul, in our heart and mind and soul, we have to stretch. We have to find courage in ourselves. Nobody else can do that work for us. But we know it's time to do the work when we're scared. Oh,
0: we have to size up, So okay, We have to size okay. up.
1: Am I scared because I would be crazy to put my hat in the ring, or am I scared because I've not done something like this before? And then two more maybe on the ground actionable, that sort of theory, but on the ground actionable tip would be ask for access to people and meetings and information that interest you. So if your boss is taking off for the senior leadership team meeting, ask if you can come along once a month. Okay, and then ask if you can present. Okay. okay. another idea would be informational interviewing. Find a colleague or someone that you don't know, but you're willing to, maybe it's a moonshot, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you'd like to talk to someone who's rather well known in your field. But see if you can get a 15 or 20 minute informational interview. You're not asking for anything other than expressing your admiration of how they do what they do. And you'd love to get to know them a little better. And you'd like to ask them and I would send in advance two or three questions.
0: Yes, make it they might be
1: intrigued by that, you know, it can feel as you demonstrate all the time on this podcast, it can feel really good to be interviewed by someone who cares. Mm
0: -hmm. And many
1: people will say yes to that, and you maybe have made a new friend or a sponsor.
0: Absolutely, and in any case, it's another person who knows who you are, so that's building your network effect, which makes me more valuable. Everybody who knows who you are and what you do, and that you're brave enough to ask for. A meeting, I will share a quick anecdote from a friend of mine who in college, she was a communication major, I think, or journalism or PR or something like that. One of those areas. And they had someone from Ting Vogue came to speak to the group and she spoke, you know, gave some tips and then the speech was over and 25 young women, college-age women were in line to talk to the, you know, to shake her hand and get a picture. Wow. And the lady was very kind and said, you know, if you're interested, please reach out, please follow up. I would love to hear from you. And this friend of mine did reach out and asked for an internship. And you know what? Of those 25 people who were in the line to talk to the speaker, only one followed up. Only one. And that was my friend, and she got the internship. So she did you know, not talk
1: herself. She probably had self-talk. that went like, oh, this person's so busy, probably has a hundred people that want to be interns. I don't have much of a shot. And then she thought of a competing voice, a second voice to debate the first voice to say, but then again, if I don't try, I'll never know. And maybe something positive will come of this. And that's yes, what this is about. yes.
0: And everybody listening that is for sure, even if you stick your neck out and you take a risk, because you believe that maybe, maybe you're good enough, maybe you're qualified, maybe you'll get the job or meet the person. Even if it doesn't work out the way you think it will, good will come out of it. least of all cases, have more courage, which we all need more of. Courage, I think some ancient philosophers said that courage was like the mother or the father of all the other virtues, that courage Ah. is... Very key in being a successful person. So now, Michelle, what what is your favorite dessert?
1: Anything served with champagne.
0: Oh, okay. Okay,
1: champagne with a strawberry on the glass.
0: Okay, that'll work. Where did you go on your last vacation? I love to go
1: to Southwest Florida and have been going down towards Sanibel Island, Fort Myers for many, many years. I'm now eager to get back after Hurricane Ian has moved through, caused a lot of destruction.
0: I can't wait to get back. Yes. What is a book or movie you would recommend?
1: I just saw Stutz produced by Jonah Hill, the actor. It's spelled S-T-U-T-Z. And Jonah has had a very positive experience with a brilliant mental health counselor and taped some of his sessions with this man so that we could all benefit and I laughed and I cried and I thought it was one of the most courageous examples of communication I've seen. Some of my best difficult conversations that I've had one-on-one when I really exposed my pain and my heart to someone could definitely probably have helped others. I would have never considered filming that. Right. That's personal stuff. So very impressive.
0: Oh, yeah. now I want to see that. What kind of music do you
1: like? Music is so important to me. I'm a rock and roll girl. Blues, jazz, classical, reggae, country, old country. And I play a little bass guitar, electric bass guitar. Whoa. Not super well, but enough to get on stage for like three songs. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> That's good. That requires courage. For it's sure. sitting,
1: sitting here to my right in the corner on the stand, looking at me like, pick me up, oh, pick me up.
0: So we have to ahead. make time for
1: those. We have to make time for things where we're not striving as communicators. And we're just playing.
0: Yes, it helps and our that, community. Yes, it fuels your batteries and gives, and gives you access to more creative ways and more interesting ways of saying things. Two more quick questions: How would you describe your style, your personal style, like clothing, <laughs> decor, like what? How,
1: well, what? I'm working on adding some more color. I think for many years I wanted to be taken seriously by men that I was in management with as a younger woman. So I, so a stylist sort of peeked in my closet once and said, oh, I see, you have a uniform.
0: And that <laughs> uniform
1: is a black suit.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm starting to allow myself to add more color and I don't know what I'm going to do. I have a closet full of three and four inch heels and I'm not sure what to do about that because since COVID, I haven't really had to put on high heels. And now when I walk, to, you know, walk on stage in them or something, I think, I miss my gym shoes. So my style <laughs> might be, like many people I think it's important when you're addressing an audience or it's an important piece of communication to you in any way, at mm-hmm. It, it is church or at the PTA meeting, but to try to imagine what the audience will be wearing and then to go like just one step more formal, I think is a way to show respect to your message recipients or your audience. So totally um, I probably have at home, very casual style and at work, I probably need to put some more color in there, but.
0: Okay, that's going to reminds me, as I know, about half of our audience is women, and about half of them work in male-dominated industries, or where they're in the minority. But I always say, you need to talk to your sisters who work in all-female environments, because neither one is problem-free. The men are not the problem. The women are not the problem. It's human beings. And wherever there are humans there's conflict, there's mm-hmm. the need for courage. There's we are. things We're that social, might...
1: political, emotional, we're complex creatures.
0: Yes, we are. So tell us, where can we get more Michelle? Yeah,
1: well, we'd be honored if folks would slide on over to our website. And we have a quarterly newsletter called Breakdown, named after Tom Petty's song. He's coming up <laughs> twice today. And what we try to do with that is We give snapshots of where we've been, usually around the United States, Mm -hmm. and who we're training or working with, and some people on our team that are doing good work. But we really try to embed it or lace it with links to free tools that are short, one- to two-page reads, coaches, corners. We really strive to make that quarterly e-newsletter fun. I start with a music video right away, right out of the gate, a two- to three-minute music Mm video video tie that into communication, share some links for professional or personal development. So even if you work at a place that doesn't, or you're not working right now, and you don't have access to that professional development, you can get that through us. It's called Breakdown. And of course, the book Communicate with Courage is for sale. Everywhere books are sold, and it would be very meaningful to me if folks would check it out and consider leaving a review online, because as a first-time author, I'm really learning about How did I do and what works and what do people want more of or less of? I did the audible narration because some of these stories in the book are just so they're just so personal that I couldn't imagine somebody else reading them other than me sharing that part of my heart in my voice. So we've got it available on Audible as well.
0: That's awesome. I think it's always so much more meaningful when the author reads the book. So that is great. You guys listening. So now you have some tips to access your courage to get feedback, find out about any blind spots and find out if they're real or imaginary about dressing for your audience. There's just so many great things that Michelle has shared with us. It's just like a miracle almost that we're able to have this conversation and share it with you. Have a great day, everybody. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.